Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The following is pre-recorded. Now, Odyssey News presents Odyssey Conversations. The state of downtown. Exploring the state of downtowns across America. On News Radio 105.9 WBBM. Welcome to Odyssey Conversations. The state of downtown. Tonight we're looking at what has traditionally been the heartbeat of a region. From New York to Los Angeles, Dallas to Minneapolis, downtown has been the cultural center. The hub for business, retail, and politics. Tourists flock to downtowns. Business leaders jockey for the best office space, and culture, nightlife, and restaurants have led people to make downtown their homes. But a lot has changed. The pandemic hit. More people started working from home and continue working remotely. Protests in the wake of George Floyd's murder created challenges for downtown retail. Inflation continues to pressure businesses. Crime, homelessness, the need to shelter migrants, interest rate hikes, just one, uh, just many, many, many challenges facing America's downtown. I'm Cisco Cotto from WBBM in Chicago. Tonight we're discussing the back-to-work debate. We'll talk to small business leaders investing in downtown, break some common myths, and we'll also get the crystal ball out, looking at what downtown is going to look like in the future. It's all happening tonight on Odyssey Conversations, the state of downtown. Let's start with what is maybe the most important conversation happening about downtown today, the back-to-work debate. It is at a fever pitch. Some companies have closed their expensive offices. They're allowing more work from home. Others are demanding employees come back to work, and they want to be here the whole week. 
Joining us now, Michelle Reisdorf. She's district president at Robert Half International. More than 400 offices all around the world. We are also joined by Christopher Berry, faculty director of the Mansueto Institute for Urban Innovation at the University of Chicago, working with colleagues all across the country, analyzing downtown trends. Well, let's begin with you, Chris. I want to talk about downtown in general and historically. What is downtown supposed to be? Why is it so important that we have downtowns all around the country that are really thriving? Well, I think the question of what downtown's supposed to be is one that's had different answers over time, and I think that's why I'm still encouraged myself about the future of downtown. Downtowns are often referred to as a central business district, suggesting there's business, but the nature of that business has shifted a lot over time. At one point, downtowns were centers of production, but increasingly they've become centers of ideas and centers of consumption. And I think what we're seeing now is part of that transition that was accelerated via the pandemic as we now have less work taking place downtown, although still plenty of it happening. Uh, and so that's why I say I think it's really a question of the next phase of downtown as opposed to, you know, what is it? supposed to be 20 years ago versus what is it going to be uh, in the coming years? And as I said, I'm so optimistic about that. Michelle, downtowns, not only in the U.S., but all around the world, you see these huge office towers. And there was a point not that long ago where they were just bustling with people, now much less so. Uh, at Robert Half, you're talking with colleagues all around the country and all around the world. What, what sort of trends are you seeing in, in people either going to the office maybe a few days a week or, or maybe not at all anymore? Yeah, I think the number one trend we see right now is the hybrid work environment. I think it's definitely here to stay. You know, um, coming out of the pandemic, almost all companies were remote, where now we see most of the clients that we work with, 10% or less are 100% remote. So, and 10% or less are 100% on site. So you have this large dynamic of, you know, 80% of clients that want their employees in office two, maybe three days a week. And what are they saying as to the reason for that? Why are they, if employees say, we want to be at home, you know, we, we don't want to have to make that commute, why are the employers saying, no, there's a benefit to you actually being in the office? Actually, you know, we see production levels increase when employees are, are together. You know, overall, people are better together. Collaboration increases. A lot of employees are worried about their employment opportunities, their promotion opportunities when they're not in person. And then there's a whole workforce, the Gen Z workforce, that very much craves social interaction and being together is important to them. And so if you want to retain top employees, which is very important right now in today's environment, it's a very candidate short market, you want to retain employees, you've got to have a mix of both. Now you have to do what they want in, right? in some respects. Uh, Chris, let's talk about the economic development impact. Uh, you have fewer people coming to the office at all, fewer people coming down Monday through Friday, and yet there, there's an economic necessity if you're going to keep restaurants going, if you're going to keep some of that nightlife going. If people are not here as much, there's not as many dollars being brought to, to downtowns all around the country. You're absolutely right, and a lot of uh, folks have raised the specter of the so-called urban doom loop, which says that if fewer people are coming into the office, then all those kinds of businesses that depend on office traffic, as you said, restaurants, uh, entertainment, and whatnot that depend on having that traffic, those businesses start to decline when people aren't coming to the office, and then as they decline, tax revenue for the city declines, then the city cannot provide the kind of services that make downtown attractive, and you and so on and so on, and that these become reinforcing trends. And so I think that, which has, as I said, been labeled the urban and doom loop is kind of a worst case scenario. And uh, it, it could be quite quite bad if it comes to fulfillment. But as I said, there, there, may, there may be reasons why it, it won't quite spiral into a doom loop. Have we seen patterns of 
the suburbs used to just be a place to sleep, right? We call them the bedroom communities. Uh, are we seeing a pattern at all of the nice restaurants and the nice theaters, uh, the, the other things that people would normally come downtown for? Are we seeing those pop up in the suburbs that maybe makes it so people feel like, hey, I'm getting everything out here. I don't need to go downtown. Yeah, I think you're, you're absolutely right. There's a combination of, of what's decentralizing out to the suburbs, what kind of activity is out there, whether that may be smaller theaters or some restaurants, and also what people can do online. So that shopping now is a reason to go downtown is not so much a motivation when you can buy all the same things um, from home on, on your couch. So I, I think the combination of those things uh, has removed one of the reasons that people used to like to come downtown. Yeah, Michelle, you touched on, I think, the camaraderie, which is something you, you can't really measure that. And yet all of us in some way or another know that it is essential. Um, are, are employers trying to sell that? in order? We, we need the economic development. We need the workers downtown. And yet if employers don't somehow make that camaraderie attractive and, and make people feel the necessity, people are going to say, I, I have friends where I live. I don't need to come downtown for that. It's absolutely the truth. I think you hear a lot of companies use the phrase in person with a purpose. And so that purpose might be a volunteer event as an organization together. That purpose might be a day of training and come together. It could be an office potluck. Um, but getting people together, we find we're better. Our production is better, results are better, camaraderie is better, retention is better. And so, you know, I think you'll see a lot of companies be creative about their office space to lure more workers back in. But, you know, quite frankly, what we find is that there's like 53% of managers want hybrid, 44% of employees want hybrid. So those numbers are starting to get real close where we all both want the same thing, right? It's and just I, a matter of how to do it. Exactly. Right? Yeah, exactly. in a way that's good for the company. Are there, uh, and we'll talk more about some of the myths of what is going on in downtown here in just a few minutes, uh, but I'm wondering if, if an employer has to try to already work through some of those uh, maybe negative stereotypes about downtown, some of the things that, that people don't like uh, in order to say, no, really, it'll, it'll be worth it. Yeah, the commute, okay, it's long. Yeah, all right, fine. But it, it will absolutely be worth it at least a few days a week. Absolutely. And I think a lot of companies are looking at different ways, benefits, for example. What benefits could they offer, you know, maybe a commute expense um, to encourage people to just get into the office? Because what we find is once you get them in, they actually enjoy the experience and they want to be there. Yeah, Chris, we talked a little bit about the culture. Let, let, let's dig a little deeper on that because uh, we we think about uh, some of the nightlife and things that people can do in the suburbs. But in every major downtown in the country, uh, there are these great museums. You just can't replicate those in other places. And if they don't have the traffic, if they don't have people coming in, they're not going to be able to sustain themselves either. Uh, I'm guessing that they're in a unique position to have to say, uh, essentially, please come downtown. Please continue to make use of this. Yes, I, I think I think they need to, to say please, but uh, at the same time, the, the, there's reasons those institutions are there and have been there for a long time, and there's reasons we've had downtowns, and there's reasons we've had cities uh, for uh, thousands of years, and I, I think that you know when when the telephone was invented, people said, oh, it's going to be the death of cities. Now people can just talk on the phone. Why do they need to be downtown? And when the internet came, oh, it's going to be the death of cities. And what we found in both cases is that those technologies were actually complements to cities, not substitutes. And so I think, you know, working from home could be a complement to working in the office, not a substitute completely, not 100%. And so, I, as I said, there are strong reasons that have been around for a long time that, that people like concentrating in downtown areas and agglomerating. And those fundamental reasons aren't changing, even if people are working from home a little bit more than, than they did in the past. That is Christopher Berry, faculty director of the Mansueto Institute for Urban Innovation at the University 
University of Chicago, along with Michelle Reisdorf, District President at Robert Half International. There's lots more to come, including other guests. Coming up, we're going to talk about the viral videos that we've all seen. They're all over social media, showing the very worst of downtown. What is fact and what is fiction when it comes to what we're seeing about America's downtowns? Whether it is St. Louis or New Orleans, Philadelphia, San Francisco, we've all seen viral videos pop up with some pretty concerning activities. Smash and grab robberies, now they've turned into crash and grab robberies where vehicles are used. Carjacking, teen takeovers of parks. Let's discuss what those images mean and whether it's the reality or maybe it's just a myth of dangerous downtowns. I'm Cisco Cotto of WBBM in Chicago. This is the Odyssey Conversation, The State of Downtown. We're talking with Dr. Joseph Schwederman. He's director of the Chaddock Institute, professor in DePaul University's Graduate School of Public Service. Also, Michael Edwards is now joining us. He's president and CEO of the Chicago Loop Alliance and economic development expert. He's really working on creating an urban experience that attracts people to downtown. Uh, Joe, let's begin with you. you. You've done a lot of research on this. You've talked with colleagues all around the country. Uh, is it a myth that these downtowns in America are just filled with crime, or, or, or is that really the reality? You know, the, the pandemic really had kind of a recalibrating effect for people. that They got away from downtown. They're, they didn't, weren't, they're cooped up and so forth. And we did have this, this terrible spike. We had fewer people on the streets, fewer people on transit, yet crime was up. So particularly during the pandemic, you know, the per capita amount of crime was significantly higher than it was before. Of course, people saw that on TV. They saw the social unrest. People feel comfort in numbers. So if you're on an empty train, you're going to feel a little less safe. You know, fortunately, things have gotten better, uh, quite a bit better. In fact, Chicago, we've had uh, a real nice uh, improvement in the last year. But I think people's tolerance for that kind of risk has fallen. Though maybe 20 years ago, it's a fact of life in the city. You know, there's risk. Now people are they're, they're hesitant. So I think we're, we're winning people back, but boy, there's still a lot of people that have written off coming to the theater, being downtown after 8 p.m. The city's got some work to do to, to win them back. And no matter how much you tell them, it's very rare. I mean, you have millions of people in New York City, millions of people in Los Angeles, uh, in Philadelphia, in Chicago, and, and the, the, the amount of crime, the chance of you actually being involved in one of these, very, very rare. And yet, because these videos are viral and we see them over and over and over again, it's it's tough to break through that. It is. And particularly here in Chicago, we have sort of a geographic problem. If, uh, crime is so heavily concentrated in certain neighborhoods, certain parts of the city. Um, people often don't differentiate that. And so it's it's um, it's a, a branding problem, you might say, for downtown. I have to say, though, somebody comes downtown uh, almost every day. We're feeling that energy back, Chicago. And I'm just feeling that this fall, some things have clicked a bit. And uh, some of those perceptions are, are gradually changing. All the major cities have this, where you have certain areas, much less crime, other areas that are higher crime, and yet it all gets sort of lumped together. Uh, Michael Edwards, you have colleagues all around the country that you talk to. Uh, what are you hearing? Is that perception of downtowns being where the crime happens? Is that uh, creating challenges for the rebound that everyone wants? Yeah, it certainly is. We had 1,500 of my colleagues from around the country, um, around the world here in Chicago a few weeks ago. 
And I think that, that they're going through the same thing we're going through, that uh, there's this perception that crime is out of control, which is not true. Uh, we have safety ambassadors on the street, and our interactions aren't up um, any more than they are sort of typically. We meet with the police and work with the police uh, uh, every month uh, to kind of go over what, the different things that we could do to make downtown feel safer. I mean, I think Joe's right that the more people that are downtown kind of doing the right thing, and it's the less obvious the people that might be doing the incorrect thing, and we'll all feel safer about that. So as downtown is coming back, and it certainly is coming back, um, I think everybody will feel safer. And if you're talking about economic development downtown, if you have people staying away because of crime, uh, how do you even begin to get new investment? How do you get new restaurants? How do you get new retail uh, in any of these downtowns? Because a business owner, I guess, would be a little skittish about whether or not the business could survive if they get it launched. Well, I think it's a real challenge, and you have to overcome that, and we, we have strategies to do that. Um, but I think the economics of downtown are just going to be so strong eventually that they're just going to make a decision that this is the place to be. There are so many people that come downtown still. 175,000 workers come downtown a day. That's half of what we had before, but it's still a lot of people. And then the visitors into the evening, we had 800,000 people come down to live theater and uh, the museums last quarter, and $200 million worth of investment. So there's energy, there's people that want to come back. I think there's also a generational thing going on here, and so that young people, in your previous segment, we were talking about the younger em employees and how they want to be come downtown. I think that's true also of just younger people. They want an experience that's not just in their home, or in their neighborhood, and they're coming back downtown too. And Joe, you, you especially research mass transit issues. Uh, we're seeing fewer people on mass transit, e even if we do hear that the numbers are creeping up here and there, there's still way fewer people. That means fewer uh, dollars coming in in fares. Federal money is only gonna last so long to support that sort of mass transit. Uh, talk about that challenge. How do you have a vibrant downtown unless you have uh, really excellent mass transit? Oh, it's a great question. I think about this constantly because it's such a moving target. I mean, look at some cities like Seattle and Tampa and the Sun Belt. And transit's almost back there. And even in our region, Sunday travel is above pre-pandemic, Saturday in, in some cases too. So people are coming to transit, but we've lost so many of those uh, white collar workers coming downtown. So transit's gotta reinvent itself. Uh, in Chicago region, for example, um, a lot of people have shifted to the bus. They really feel comfortable. I walk on that bus, the driver sees me, we're gonna screen people coming in. I have a, a safe element here. I don't have to go in a basement to get on a subway. Uh, CTA trains, and we're getting close to 70%, which I think we would have celebrated a few years ago, and that's rising. But those commuter trains, they gotta reinvent themselves. People aren't taking the eight o'clock train coming in and going home on the five o'clock. They've got these hybrid lifestyles. And so we have to kind of reinvent the commuter train. And, and thankfully, our agencies are seeing that uh, the status quo won't cut it anymore. And Michael, there's a lot to downtown, but I'm thinking, based on what Joe's saying, fewer commuters must mean that those businesses that rely on those commuters, especially around the train stations and the bus stops, they have to be hurting because you just don't have as many customers. Uh, that is true. Um, and we lost a lot of the storefront economy, uh, restaurants, a lot of fast casual, fast food sort of places that catered to the quick lunch for workers. Um, but we still have people coming down and visitors uh, that are uh, going to fine dining and ta uh, white tablecloth restaurants that are packed before the theaters on the, you know, throughout the week and on the weekends. Does this just add to the importance of 
bringing tourists into our downtowns and and cities around the country actively marketing their downtowns in order to get those tourists. Absolutely. The folks we had in town uh, a few weeks ago from all over the uh, country, other downtowns, they were just so impressed with Chicago, how clean it is, how safe it is, just how wonderful it is. The weather really cooperated, so that was really great too. (laughs) Um, But they really enjoyed uh, their experience in Chicago, and I think uh, we're all from Chicagoland. We're all very proud of our city, and uh, you know we're inviting people to come back and try it out again. We put on something called Sundays on State the last three years, really just to invite people to come back. We've had zero problems, not one incident associated with over 100,000 people uh, for the last two uh, Sundays on State. So we're very confident that downtown's back. And, and Joe, as a researcher, I mean, you deal with a lot of data and numbers crunching and that sort of thing. But to what Michael is saying, how important is just that word of mouth in changing perception? People saying, hey, I, I went to downtown, uh, you know, New Orleans. Right. Oh, it was great. I had, I had no problems. Oh, it is. And you just see the um, shifts in the way people spend their money post-pandemic. I call Chicago the Taylor Swift effect. If you're down here on that day of that conference uh, concert, this is like nothing I've seen before. You know, people are singing and... Uh, on the street with their boom boxes and it was just just a blast and I noticed that coming downtown I'm in sort of the office district and it's like you know it seems a little quiet here and I go north of Madison Street which is kind of our dividing line and people are out there with shopping bags and selfies and double deck buses so it's just really kind of situational where we're seeing the rebound and uh, as Mike said um, you know when people sit at their home all day working they want to come downtown it's where the action is and Chicago, you know, we've really been able to uh, leverage that tourism business. So that's uh, that's been a driving force. Yeah, there, there's an energy to downtown. I mean, Michael, is that one of the things that people around the country are pitching to say uh, the crime? There's crime always will be in big cities, but it's not nearly as bad as it's made out to be or, or as you might see on social media. And when you do come, there's just this energy of having all these people and all this activity. Yeah, there's a lot of FOMO, fear of missing out. And so we, as from our social media uh, um, perspective, And we try to demonstrate to people that they're really missing out if they don't come downtown. It's their downtown. They should come down and enjoy it. Everybody, not just the folks up north, not just the folks down south, but everybody should come down and enjoy everyone's neighborhood. That's Michael Edwards, president and CEO of the Chicago Loop Alliance, and Dr. Joe Schwederman, director of the Chaddock Institute, professor in DePaul University's Graduate School of Public Service for Metropolitan Development. We're now going to talk about downtowns and who they're really for. Is it about re-engaging the people who live in downtown? Is it about attracting businesses, office workers, and tourists? Is it some combination? We're seeing this in several areas all around the country, a rethinking of who downtown is for. Joining us, Michael Edwards, president and CEO of the Chicago Loop Alliance. Chris Berry, he's faculty director of the Mansueto Institute for Urban Innovation at University of Chicago. And Michael Kogelis, CEO of Big City Optical. And we'll hear a little more about that as a success story in just a moment. I want to begin, though, with, uh, with you, Michael Edwards, talking about downtown office space. Uh, We hear about this all the time. Oh, there just aren't as many people working downtown. Uh, I looked at some numbers. Cushman, Wakefield, they keep regular track of this. And and frankly, the numbers aren't so great. 
Nationally, the office vacancy rate just under 20 percent. Uh, you have Detroit at about 20 percent vacancy. Dallas at about 21 percent. St. Louis, 18 percent. I mean, it just goes on and on. Chicago set a record recently for downtown vacancy. Some of that is because new buildings are coming online, and so you just have more available office space. And yet, some of it is because not as many companies are renting that space. Uh, talk about some of the challenges that you've seen and heard about as you've been talking with people all around the country on, on having all these office space just sitting empty. Right, so great point. Um, prior to the pandemic, there was a slow leak of office space out of the loop, the Chicago loop to Fulton Market and, and other areas on the, on the periphery of, of our traditional downtown. So that was all accelerated with the pandemic. So now people are paying actually twice as much for half as much space in Fulton Market. We think eventually that will tip back to the loop, but it's amazing the difference in the prices. In terms of human occupancy, not rental, you know, rented space, but human occupancy, we're at about 55%. So we're not as good as some of the cities in Texas or some of the southern cities that never really closed during the pandemic. But we're way better than a lot of other ones, San Francisco and others. Um, so we're, you know, kind of in the middle of the pack in terms of people returning to the office. Now, I want to talk with Michael Kogelis of Big City Optical. Uh, pitches itself as your neighborhood eyeglass store, which I think is really great in that it's in Chicago, it's also in some of the Chicago suburbs, and yet each location is really trying to attract people right in that area. Uh, Michael, we'll hear a little more about your story later and how you, you really labored through the pandemic and, and survived it really well. We'll hear more about that in a moment. Uh, but just talk about the importance of downtown and having people here, people living here, people working here, tourists. I mean, you, you really need all those, I would imagine, in order for your business to succeed. Cisco, I, I think what we've seen is the community is the most important thing that's happening for us in Chicago. Because what hasn't changed is that people still live here. Um, they may not live in the loop, although we've all heard a bunch of conversations that you know some of the high-rises could be turning into living quarters. But that being said, our communities to the north of downtown, to the west, they're quite vibrant. And so as the pandemic let loose of the country, we found that people were just coming out of their house even more. And they really never wanted to just be secluded. They wanted to be part of their community. And that was what was missed. Certainly, uh, not having the workers come back as quickly, that has affected um, certain areas, but not the rest of the city. Yeah, that need, and we've talked about that, it seems like every segment, that, that just keeps coming back up. That, and we need each other. We need that sort of community. Uh, Chris, talk about how communities, and downtown specifically, are having to innovate, rethink that community space. Uh, I'm thinking when I look at some retail spaces, I travel quite a bit, uh, I see not so much shopping everywhere as much as these group experiences, uh, these uh, places where you can come together, whether it's workers or friends or whatever, and, and hang out for an hour or two and really have a great time. Yes, I think, I think you're right. The rationale for downtown as a shopping place was already precarious even before the pandemic. I, I, and I think because of internet shopping, even if it hadn't been for the pandemic, that those kind of major shopping strips of downtowns would have been threatened regardless, and the pandemic accelerated that. So I think we're seeing less rationale for a shopping area and more, as you said, for experiential, for lifestyle, for entertainment. And uh, as I said, that's just a natural evolution of the city and, and the downtown areas that move from centers of production to centers now of more of consumption and, and, and entertainment. And I think we're just seeing that maybe accelerated a bit by the pandemic. I also think when you talk about land uses, 
that that's also an area of some transformation now. There's a lot of people working to try to transform some former office spaces to a more residential use. And you know, if these vacancy rates that we're seeing of 20% plus are going to be more long run and permanent, then we need to repurpose those buildings. And that's really complicated from an engineering perspective, and some buildings are more suitable for it than others. But I certainly think there's no reason to expect those buildings are just going to stay empty forever, but they'll find uh, new uses. When people think about new uses, you think office or residential. You know, you just sort of stop there when you think about those. Are there other things that people are, you know, these ideas that are percolating for using those spaces? Because you're talking hundreds of thousands of square feet in cities. Yes, and I think some of, there are massive entertainment complexes coming in downtown, and lots of cities uh, have them. And, uh, we, uh, you know, things that are taking off in Chicago have to do with ping pong, massive ping pong parlors, for example. And there's all kinds of entertainment uh, uses. It's also important to remember when we talk about a 20% vacancy rate, it doesn't mean that every building downtown has 20% uh, empty, it's really concentrated in a few buildings. So, uh, you know, what we call Class A are really the more newer, nicer office buildings tend to still be doing pretty well in terms of occupancy. And, you know, your, your less nice buildings have more vacancy, and some are more or less amenable to conversion to residential. Uh, Michael Edwards, talk about is there maybe a benefit here to people who are looking for office space? Are they in a better position to negotiate? Or are, are the people who own these places saying, hey, I, I, have, I have debt that I have to pay? They got a certain level that I need to stick to. Well, I think everybody's kind of um, uh, uh, keeping their powder dry at the moment, and so it's a it's a, it's a very precarious situation right now. That the, the notion is that maybe in 24, later 24, some of these properties will start to move. Property owners will start to you know swallow uh, what they need to swallow in terms of losses, and and some people may pay, be willing to pay a little bit more than they would have otherwise. So. It's, it happened after the Great Recession. It's going to happen again. Some people are going to get hurt, uh, large property owners. But, uh, uh, but eventually, we'll get to an equilibrium where people will start coming back. And that's the difficult thing is if, if only we knew when. If only we knew. <laughs> Give it 18 months and everything will be back to whatever normal is going to be. And yet, it's just sort of hanging out there where there will be a new normal. We just don't know what it is and who's going to survive and who's not going to. You're absolutely to. right. Absolutely. Yeah. Michael Kugelis, let's talk about... Uh, Eyeglass stores walk by traffic. I, I don't know if that's something that, that really impacts you or not, just simply having more bodies around. Uh, is that something that we've probably seen less of? And it, does it impact small businesses like yours? I certainly think that the easiest way of getting new clients is when they walk by. And so peak traffic is something that we look for when we're when we're researching a new location to move into. And all of our stores are in these shopping centers because we, we don't, we're not, we're trying to quickly uh, become part of the community. We need people to see us very clearly. Um, but at the same time, there are plenty of businesses that bring people in just as a result of them having an offering that is significant enough to its clients. And so that's the part where I think, you know, the the owners have to be very careful around who they bring in to lease facilities and to make sure it creates enough of a draw. Yeah, and wanting them to, to really commit to being there for a while, right? Absolutely. It seems like that would be pretty essential. It is. Thanks so much to all of our guests. There you have it, a comprehensive look at the state of downtown in America. No question, every downtown is going through a huge shift, and that shift is not over. Ripple effects on residents, businesses, commuters, tourists. 
There are a lot of questions that are still not answered, and we will continue looking at them as downtowns move forward in a post-pandemic world. Thanks so much for being with us. I'm Cisco Cotto at WBBM in Chicago. We will see you again for the next Odyssey Conversations. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.